0: my God, I just saw a, a load of magpies just fly past.
1: Oh, that's good. It's your lucky day. Well, I don't maybe know. Maybe it means the baby's about to be born. <gasps>
0: yeah, hey, because... Hey, hey, everyone. Oh, no,
1: you don't want it heralded in by magpies. Right, or maybe right. you do.
0: But there was about... We f- love magpies. There was four or five. What's five?
1: Girl. Wait. No. One's a... One's a kiss, two's a wish, three's what? a... Le- no, that's sneezes. One for
0: sorrow. What <laughs> the
1: hell? Sneezes. Oh,
0: I just saw a load of sneezes fly past. <laughs> Wait, Let a for... snot fly past the window. <laughs>
1: one for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy,
0: five... I'm looking it up. One for sorrow, three for joy. I've got it.
1: One for sorrow, three for joy.
0: No, okay. I am got excited. One for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy. Could have been a boy. Right, that flew past <laughs> five. Uh, you said, but five, there this, is, five. this is this f- is, I think it might have been five. Five's five analogy. for silver, bring it on. <laughs> Six for gold, Ooh, yeah. Well,
1: how many did you see?
0: I don't know. Saying, was, it you was said like five. like a cloud of magpies, platinum. Yeah, I could do with some of that. Uh, hey, as I was saying, hello, Bian Podders. We're back.
1: Oh, hi, Bian Podders. Do
0: you know what? We've not had a lot of feedback about our fish episode last week. Good. I'm glad because I was worried. (laughs) We were expecting a
1: whole load People are just like, I'm not saying anything about this.
0: Yeah. We were concerned, weren't we? Um, You did
1: have one feedback.
0: One feedback. I had one feedback. I received one feedback.
1: One feedback for you? Yes. You were fed back one. By whom? I can't remember the name. Because I haven't really been looking in the email because I haven't got a laptop and... I don't tend to look at it. On I my think phone that
0: one it... feedback, which if we do a letters page next week, which I'd quite like to do. Yes. If everyone would like to. Oh wait!
1: You, I need to have a laptop before we do a letters page. You
0: don't. I also have a laptop. I am quite capable of cutting oh, that's and pasting. Like right, You can have it when I'm in the toilet. My one. When I'm in the <laughs> toilet. <laughs> how long are
1: you going into the toilet for?
0: Well, <laughs> how long have you lived with me for? You should know <laughs> the answer to that question. You don't go I'll, for that long. I'd be in there all day if I could. Um, yes I'd like a <laughs> letters page next week okay regardless of whether Sandy's laptop's back from the mender's or well not. it
1: won't be because they haven't even contacted me to say they've can I it.
0: please get out this bit of housekeeping please so please email us about Fish Solo and your feelings about his solo career to bampod at gmail dot com right now maybe I've said that maybe they're too scared now,
1: to email about it because well, they and email think you
0: disagree with them your feelings Uh. As I say the feedback that we got in our email, this is again what I was trying to say. Yes. Wasn't, I think, feedback. It was someone sort of saying that he gets recommended a lot of other artists called fish <laughs> on Spotify.
1: Oh. But
0: we'll read that out next week.
1: Interesting. There yes. are other fishes in the sea. There are well, other fish in the sea. Yes.
0: Well, there is at least fish, P H I S H, the hippie band. Ah. Oh. Uh, who I quite like actually. They're quite good. Um uh, what else was I gonna say before we crack on this week? Uh we did have some comments on Facebook from people, which we might read those out. Oh, uh, interesting. but no emails and I haven't seen any complaints anywhere. But I think we were fairly even handed. I hope so. Because as we I think you you made the excellent point last week that Covering Fish's career in this way, because this was the shadow that loomed over Marillion. Yes. In the 90s, especially, but then subsequently as well. You know, because the media insisted upon, you know, casting that shadow over them. Yes. I think it gives context, as you said last week, to the Marillion story.
1: It really does. You know, it helped me be, it helped me understand what, why H may have said some of the things that he said in the 90s, it really put it into context.
0: Yeah, me too. And
1: it was like, oh, okay, fair enough then.
0: Well, let's carry on because this, uh, this is part two of our fish retrospective and where we left it, I'd had my faith shaken a little bit in being a fish fan. Not f- no, Merillion shook my faith. Fish, Fish, it was just a general sort of evaporation of... Fandom,
1: but a gradual advantage. gradual.
0: However, the next release on his Dick Brothers label, do you want to make the jokes? No, okay, I wouldn't dare. Dick recordings, uh, no, it's
1: Dick Music.
0: Okay, Dick on his Dick Music label. <laughs> I mean, Dick Brothers is fine, <laughs> Scissor Sisters, <laughs> I mean, that's bad enough. <laughs> They were dick brothers. What is their name? <laughs> uh, so I said he's just making hand gestures about the fact that the kids are in the next room. <laughs> it's his name. You said it. It is, is, was, their na- it
1: is his name. Um,
0: uh, yeah, the next release was a uh, compilation. Now, mm. why would I be excited about a compilation? Indeed, why? Well, it was a double it was two albums. It was didn't come out as a single album. It was Yin and Yang. Oh,
1: I like that. You
0: like that because you're into all that. But each had a cover by Mark Wilkinson of a Yin Yang symbol, but with the fish creating the symbol.
1: <gasps> yeah, I think I've seen that. It's good.
0: Now, why I was excited, and I remember the day these came out because I was, uh, I, I was, I was up in Manchester for work, and.
1: Wait, what year are we up to? Oh,
0: this is 95. 95, So right. I was up in Manchester for work, and we were being shown around by PR guy for a games company, and I wanted to get the albums so I could listen to them on the train on the way home on my CD Walkman. Oh. <laughs> and he understood. He knew they were out, which was I was very excited about, because I had to kind of go, oh, could I stop at the record shop, please, Mr. PR Man, because there's something I want to buy.
1: Oh, cute.
0: Anyway, why I was excited was because it had re recordings of Marillion stuff on there.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Fish. So, Fish solo. Yeah.
1: Performing old Marillion numbers.
0: Yes, plus some re recorded Fish solo numbers and some songs that he clearly felt didn't need re recording. Now, you could say it might have been a bit premature to do a compilation. I mean, so he was what three proper albums into his solo career plus a covers album, um, but then he did have four albums with Marillion as well, from mm-hmm. which to draw. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of the uh, <coughs> the re- re-recorded Marillion tracks, Punch and Judy, oh. uh, Incubus, mm-hmm. Lavender, Incommunicado, Sugar Mice, and Kaylee. He also finally recorded "Institution Waltz," which was a Marillion song. If you hear banging, it's our neighbours hammering an anchor into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> anchors everywhere. We're surrounded by anchors. Oh yeah, bunch are of we, anchors. Oh ever... <laughs> yeah. Um, are we ever? In terms of uh, in terms of re-recorded solo songs, he re-recorded "State of Mind," "Credo," "Lucky," "Favorite Stranger." Somebody Special and Just Good Friends, which he did uh, as a duet with a singer called Sam Brown, who I know you won't have heard of. Um, Her dad was...
1: I've heard of Sam Brown. Have you? Yeah.
0: Ah, you have?
1: Yeah. Her her dad
0: was called Joe Brown, who was a singer of old. Dad Brown. Single-wise, it was probably my favourite fish solo single since State of Mind.
1: Oh, nice. It
0: was... Again, dabbling in that sort of country rock style. Mm. So it wasn't perhaps, ah, they've gone past again. They weren't magpies. Sorry, they were were pigeons. It was the sun was shining on them in such a way that they looked like magpies.
1: Five pigeons might have meaning.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Pestilence. (laughs) (laughs) Pestolence. Pestilence. 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 You mean, you, I, I said pestilence. you like, what? Pestilence. Uh, Pest- what did you say? Uh, pestilence, Paul. Was it pestilence that you said? Like uh, pestilence. Pus, Pastalance? Uh, can't you pronounce it right, Paul? Can't you say p- pestilence? Uh, Pastual. Is that what you.
1: <laughs> did sound like
0: it. Anyway, so um, the Meridian re recordings. Um, I found a mixed bag because on a couple of them, Punch and Judy and Incommunicado, what they unfortunately did was kind of highlight that his voice was starting to go.
1: Oh, no. Already.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, uh, that his voice wasn't what it was. He, right. he <laughs> There were points which sounded like he was garbling the words a bit. However, the versions of Sugar Mice, Lavender, and Incubus are really good. Oh. Um,
1: had, had he already started to have issues with nodules?
0: Well, we're going to get into that some more. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, his voice had already started to notice- noticeably change. And this was the point, I think, at which I really noticed it. Because he was... It's... <laughs> Like Incommunicado, it sort of seemed to rock it up a bit. They seemed, or they did. Mm. And it was his touring band. So it was the same musicians who'd been on uh, Songs of the Mirror, or Suits, rather. Um, And, but he sort of seemed to be, his voice seemed to be trying, oh, he seemed to be trying a little bit too hard with that one and uh, and Punch and Judy. And anyway, but the the version of uh, Incubus is great, lovely guitar solo. It's sort of. I hesitate to say it's like the definitive version wow. but musically I I said I hesitate oh. to say that.
1: And yet and yet it's, it's a really good yet. version. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh and the version of Lavender features the Blue Angel section in there as right. as he used to perform live. Oh. Um and it's it's really love. That's a really lovely version. Sugar mice is very acoustic and similar to the version that I sometimes played live. And I used to love Fish's reworking of Sugar mice mm. that they he yeah, played live. So um, an institution waltz. Uh, I mean, it's not a great song. Um, it, it's a waltz. <laughs> it's it's a waltz that then it dates back to what nineteen eighty one eighty two something like that right uh but it's uh I, I was happy to have a version of it yeah uh because I, I don't think I'd ever heard the demo at that point of that and but I had heard of the song I mm-hmm. knew that the song was a was was sort of infamous in you know because really used to play it live sometimes it's like a and, legend a yeah.
1: legendary song.
0: It, it i looked forward to this collection and i was pleased with it and actually what it did do i mean not every track on there i loved because i think he did put i don't know it was somebody special on there i think he put on there um, not all of it was 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 songs that i loved but but it did kind of go well actually if you kind of include his his marillion career he actually he's got a great catalogue of music yeah up to that point
1: yes wow
0: well hang on oh, wow <laughs> It gets a bit more for me over the next few albums. Uh, or, well, the next album's okay. But then subsequently, it gets a little bit spottier, I right. think, in terms of quality. All right. So, it, I mean, it didn't do great as a compilation.
1: Oh, um, even though you – I can see your energy towards it has changed. It's I liked like it. You're very posi- positive I was about
0: really it. excited about it at the time. I thought it was a good collection.
1: Right. Uh, and yet it didn't do
0: I never said – well, yeah. Well, yeah, but it didn't. It got oh, they respectively. Yin got to fifty eight, and Yang got to fifty two. So didn't even break top fifty.
1: Aww.
0: So nineteen ninety seven, uh, "Sunsets on Empire" came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to number forty two in the UK. Very good. Very good. Was famously the album that he made with Stephen Wilson.
1: Oh right.
0: And the reason why Stephen Wilson didn't produce H's solo album. Because he was working with Fish at the time. I didn't think that would be a good idea.
1: No, probably wouldn't.
0: Um,
1: It's called a conflict of interests.
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh, So the lead single off of Sunsets on Empire, which was a return to a full Mark Wilkinson cover. Mm. So I will say, by the way, with Mark Wilkinson covers of this era and this suits and this, I think he sort of struggled initially to adapt to the CD era from the era of gatefold sleeves.
1: Because of the size.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They were sort of simpler covers in some respects and trying to kind of balance that sort of detail that it had before with um, the need for a sort of simple, iconic Image that, mm. that CD covers tend to have. Um, neither Suits nor Sunsets on Empire are my favourite fish covers. I need to have shall we say. Have
1: I got time to look?
0: You or... have got time to look.
1: Okay. Not my favourite
0: suits. No, it's not Fish's favourite either because it didn't. I,
1: I've seen, actually, I've seen Substance of Empire.
0: Yeah, well, our I like Anthony, it a lot. But used to have a poster of it up in his living room.
1: Oh. Oh, that's right. I actually quite like it. Do you? Yeah, I do. I think that's a great cover. Well it was
0: meant to look like um I think a sort of old art deco poster.
1: Yeah, I love it. Oh, okay. Well hmm. done, Mark Wilkinson.
0: <laughs> wow. What
1: is that in the background? Explosions.
0: <laughs> burning oil fields as, ah, in, as per oil. Iraq when Saddam Hussein set fire to all the oil wells.
1: Ah no, that's a really nice cover. Oh, you
0: like that one? I like oh, okay. it a lot. Wow, that's that's the most enthused you've ever been about a Mark Wilkinson I cover. I love it. I love it. I'm blown away. So, Brother 52 was the first um, single, oh. uh, which famously had fish attempting to get some headlines by getting tattooed during the video.
1: Oh, what did he have tattooed?
0: Oh, I don't know. One of those sort of tribal or Celtic kind of bands around his arm. Mm.
1: Uh, Not a big fish.
0: No, <laughs> no. Cod. Oh, he got a, his own face tattooed, <laughs> tattooed on his face. <laughs> so he, I just like, want it one to one. They just wanted his <laughs> feature outlined in black, please. Like he didn't look any different. Just, just looked higher contrast. <laughs> now, if we're talking about the, the purpose of this exercise, for like when I started to go off fish, yes, I really didn't like that video.
1: What, what was it you didn't
0: like about it? He, he looked like a thug in it.
1: I need to see. <laughs> I, have I got time to have a quick look at it?
0: Yeah. What's it called? Brother 52. He looks like a thug. He's like kind of because he shaved his head and he, he got rid of his beard in it and he's got his sleeveless vest on. He looks like someone you, you would avoid at the football.
1: Oh, I was trying not to play the music. Mm. Okay.
0: You've watched it.
1: Yes, uh,
0: I don't know. he didn't look like my fish anymore <laughs> um,
1: is it had he gone too heavy for your like... well, it wasn't
0: so much the song the song the song I don't hate brother fifty two at all mm. it, it It has a thing that fish sort of seemed to start doing increasingly in his solo career of repeating words. Like, right. tattoo, 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 tattoo <laughs> Brother 52. they remember like uh, that,
1: Paul. Or, you don't need to <laughs> lean over to read them if they're just repeated. That's true.
0: That's very true. Um, <laughs> You've got <wonder. laughs> uh, to wonder. He started doing it a lot. And I kind of went, oh, maybe it's because... They work better live than if they could be chanted back at him. I mean, and... he
1: was doing it back with Marillion. And, you yeah. know, we've got Incommunicado.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know.
1: Assassin? Has that got a lot of repetition?
0: Don't know. Less so, I think. But they felt like songs that oh, yeah. were written to be kind of chanted. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. At a gig.
1: Which he is generally quite good at.
0: Yes, I'll give him that. You know, credo was certainly yes. you know, credo. Yeah. <sighs> uh,
1: maybe maybe the a... word tattoo doesn't bring itself you know, it doesn't inspire someone to want to chant.
0: Um anyway. Uh, <laughs> because
1: it sounds like you're saying toot toot. Toot,
0: Toot This song's called toot toot. Toot
1: toot 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 it's not quite as cool as um I don't know.
0: Anyway. Yeah. So um so the album. Was co-written with Stephen Wilson. Not every song was was. Written. I think Stephen Wilson did about half the album. That's just over. Oh right, it okay. And played on it.
1: But did he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was fully into it.
0: Well, I he'd been he just a, produced. He'd it. been a Marillion fan growing up. Right. I mean, he'd been at was it was the legend that he'd been at the first ever Fish gig. With Merillion or the, or something in Hemel.
1: Oh, that rings a bell. Or the
0: first ever Marillion gig. A bell. I can't anyway. Yes. Uh, but he was he'd been a fan. Which in
1: my in my head it's just like how he must have been way too young because he looks so young.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I hate him for that. So it's, <laughs> he's older than me. So it's
1: like he, there's no way he could have been old enough to be at the first Merillion gig.
0: Yeah. He's about like he's like seventy eight. <laughs> <He is not. laughs> He is. He's,
1: he's immortal. He's, like, he's
0: seventy-eight or seventy-nine. He's immortal, and everyone knows yeah. that. Um, he uh, so he the way it works is I think he had some of the songs were based around demos that that he already had, right? Which is why there's one song on there which also um, the final song. is it say it with flowers? I think is also the the music for it is used on a No Man album. No Man being Stephen Wilson's other band that isn't Porcupine Tree. Or, right. or IEM or uh, what's the other one that he does bass something or another he's had loads of projects over the years Blackfield and I remember Stephen Wilson saying at the time that he he wasn't as big a fan of the sort of I think the phrase he used was blues rock that Fish had been playing or writing and so I remember seeing that quote either in the press release or an interview with him prior to the album coming out. I thought, oh, okay, he gets it. He gets that Fish is primarily a progressive, not prim- isn't primarily that, but at least had been, you know, yeah. what he'd grown up loving was Marillion. But actually what the album, the album wasn't anything like Marillion or anything remotely progressive. It was just a rock album. Right. Um, quite, certainly heavier in places than Fish had ever been. Hmm. But, I, as, and I agreed with this at the time. In fact, would you like to hear a rev- review quote by me?
1: I would love which, that. Which
0: is still on Fish's website.
1: <gasps> is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd love to hear that.
0: Despite years in the wilderness, spent nursing an unjustly unfashionable reputation. I mean, you know, fair play to him that he's, he's, he left that years in the wilderness quote. But um, I should have said vigil in a wilderness of mirrors. Despite years in a wilderness of mirrors. Spent, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah,
1: <laughs> You don't need to edit it anymore. It's already It's been on his website for, for decades now.
0: Despite years in the wilderness spent nursing an unjustly unfashionable reputation, Fish has finally produced an album to be proud of. Finally produced <gasps> an album to be proud of. Oh, uh,
1: you actually wrote that. He's put it, it's on, he his put it on his website. He put that on his website.
0: Mixing weighty, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd and Bowie-influenced moments with contemporary loops and samples, Sunsets is the charismatic Scotsman's... Scotsman's most relevant work to date. I wrote that.
1: Yay. Yay. Even though you wrote,
0: as a young man.
1: Finally. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Even back then, you were the same
0: person. Now, Fish says about it, he said, Stephen Wilson was an absolute breath of fresh air. He had new ideas, a different approach, and he started sending stuff up to me. And then it was like, well, yeah, that works. So I decided to really invest in that album. I think Fish did. I think he spent a lot on the production of it the recording and the promotion, uh, which is, you know, it's a shame. I only got to number 42, but he spent a lot of money on it and he Mm. toured quite extensively, I think. He lost an enormous amount of money around Sunsets on Empire again.
1: That's such a shame.
0: Yeah, because it is, it's certainly his best album since Vigil. Right. Uh, Best sort of album of original songs since Vigil. I have to say... Having done this, I thought Internal Exile was better than I remembered it. This, I don't think, has aged quite as well.
1: Oh, why? Why do you think that?
0: Uh, partly, it's personal taste. In part, it's personal taste, right? And yes, I can hear the Stephen Wilson guitars on there, and that Stephen Wilson thing. But there's also there's there's also for me kind of filler on there. I mean, it's got one of my favourite fish songs, which is Goldfish and Clowns, which I absolutely adore. Uh, but it's also got stuff like Worm in a Bottle and...
1: So do you remember liking it more than you liked it upon re-listening?
0: It's a weird one because here, this is going to sound really strange. There's, I, I sometimes have this thing of like, I can listen to that and kind of go, that's good but it's not for me.
1: Right. Yes.
0: Sometimes I'll listen to something and go, that's just bad. Yes. Sometimes this is an album that I listen to and go, I get why this is good or why this right. is a good piece of work, so, but it's not for me. objectively, good. Objectively, I think this is good. Right. A okay. good album. Fair enough. Subjectively, I'm not as big a fan of it as I was his first two right. solo albums. Now, yes. this is now. At the time, I went bloody hell, finally. God. Uh, okay. A bit of direction for Fish. Right, right. But, but, it's it's a bit too heavy for me. There is still some of that sort of blues rock hangover. Tellingly on um three tracks co-written with Robin Bolt. You know, the Steve non-Stephen Wilson tracks still have a hangover from that more straightforward rock direction, which I just it's just not what I felt he did best. Mm-hmm. Um and on top of that, there is some of it just does not aged well. I mean The opening track, Perception of Johnny Punter, um, opens with basically a whole ream of racial name calling. Um, Fish describes including the N word. Hi. Uh, fish says i'm a fan of lenny bruce and it was inspired by one of his stage performances where he apparently racially insulted everyone in the audience and he's trying to say their words and the more you use them the more you disempower them unfortunately i mean fish said he said it was a brilliant sounding album i've got a chance for a release in america the world was my oyster again for a moment until i opened it up and found out there was a turd inside (laughs) (laughs) So I, I wasn't expecting that.
1: <laughs> I wasn't expecting that either. Um,
0: he said, we ran out of money, basically. Oh, also, no. also, the uh, record companies or the record business in America didn't take highly to the opening of that song. Right. We had to re-record yeah. it. Right. Uh, and then on top of that, What Colour Is God mm. has, and I've played you this, the rap section. Where he does a kind of cod Jamaican accent.
1: Oh, this is on the same album.
0: Yeah. Um, I kind of was about to do what he did and I can't bring myself to do it. Look, go and listen to it. The bit that that starts, the, the section that starts Black Brother in an open sports car pulled over by suspicious officer. I mean, even reading the lyrics, he's just making my stomach clench white jog i see the roadside gangster heartbeat just a harass man speaking in the island patois it's awful it's awful even at the time i thought what is he doing and now i kind of go a what did he think he was doing and b
1: B someone make him stop please
0: yeah just just wipe this from history it's just awful it's awful yeah, we kind of have it's, made, it's not we've one of made it's fun of H, moment. right? We've made fun of H with his kind of going, oh, I break into a rap on Quartz. Mm. At least he didn't do the accent. Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> that's true.
0: <laughs> no, at least he didn't have the line, man speaking in the island patois. Going to give you the righteous answer. Oh, God. Oh. Uh,
1: Not one of his best artistic choices, shall we say Yeah,
0: so lyrically, other than that We were in similar territory again Relationship problems, worrying about his career Were two of the other overriding themes As Fish explained years later Part of the issues he had in his marriage Were, um, well I'll just read out what he says during the recording of Vigil, I came up to the house and I discovered my wife was having an affair. And I had to go back during the recording of Vigil and seeing Cliché off, I discovered that. My marriage was just fucking disintegrating and I would go on the road to escape. But my daughter was born in January 91 and my DNA is like, you've got to be a family guy. So I didn't want to give up. <sighs> I've been there. Exactly from that point of view, sticking out that situation because wired to believe in the sanctity of sort of family as a as a unit, despite there being things that don't work. So I can totally get it. And I did, so it has to be, I have to say, around this time, while I might not have loved all the music, there are a lot of lyrics that Fish wrote that I've related to.
1: Right. Uh, so he, you were connecting with him on an emotional level. Well, it was weird. But a- here,
0: here's the thing, right? <laughs> Fish's lyrics... You know, when I was a teenager, I would kind of like read those lyrics and go, yeah, yeah, that's me, that's me. And then. <laughs> Rob, <laughs> which song was that too? I don't know. I'm just. Assassing. I don't know. I <laughs> don't you know. Yeah, I'm the
1: assassing, I I'm am. Just
0: saying generally. Right. Um. But as time went on, I kind of would go, I think I know what that song's about. But sometimes they were sort of dressed up in language that was quite flowery. Yes. I wouldn't always know exactly what he meant.
1: Right, yeah. Or it
0: seemed so that it was quite specific to him and I would sometimes go, I think I can relate to that. Is it really about that? And actually, as it turns out, a lot of those times now with the hindsight of interviews and things that he said, such as that quote, Mm. I've kind of gone, oh, yeah, I was right to actually kind of connect with that song. Right, yeah. Yeah, now that I know stuff that I didn't know then. The title track sunsets on empire was about that marriage oh, okay. which he, where he sang and then it was over and we took our applause and we passed the peace pipe drugs and thought no more uh about Wait, the se- does it like <laughs>
1: pipe drugs or God. did you just add that in i added
0: that <laughs> about the scenes that were missing about the lines we had crossed and we smiled at each other and we knew that the moment was lost and then he sang for Sunsets on Empire it was only a dream and I knew that it was broken when I heard you scream. I know you can't believe that it all meant nothing at all and we looked at each other and we smiled and the moment was gone. Sunsets on Empire, is this really the end? And then he sings. And this is a good example of me kind of going, I think I kind of know what that's about, but actually it was only hindsight. Where he sang, you said it never mattered, you said it's just a thrill, You can't, you couldn't beat it, another bit of pill. It was never a habit, a one-off just for sure. Now you kind of go with hindsight and him saying what he said. Oh, right, uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. Thought it was that. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll get on to some of this a bit more in a second because I've got I got an interview by me um, to read some bits out and I can tell you the bit I cut out of the interview. Oh, go on then. Well, I'll tell you that in a minute. But also then on Worm in a Bottle, you were asking about yes. what that was. Um, when you're down to the last skin drugs and the <laughs> light sputters uh, and, what? and the limelight sputters to darkness in the death of a Zippo first mention of Zippo on one of his albums
1: oh.
0: um, at the backstage door the last fan has long disappeared with a plastic bag stuffed full of memories if only you'd sign them again this is on like the previous album he was going on about, about signing, signing. The yeah if only to testify if only to recognize that he existed that for a moment he stood there side by side in the gutter on the cold hard shoulder of destiny you say never again, this is the end, it's all going to change, you're determined this time. Year after year, you pretend it's for real and it's all going to change, you're determined this time. Happy birthday to me, when you're the worm in the bottle. Um, you're the last one to leave and there's nowhere to go and the minicab driver politely suggests you go home. If only you could remember just where that's at, just where you've been, just where it went wrong. So, you know. um wow. Blimey, eh? Bleak. Pretty bleak, isn't it? It's pretty bleak. So Sunset's an Empire, ultimately, he was working through a lot of stuff, clearly still, lost an enormous amount of money.
1: That's a shame. Again. That's a shame.
0: For an album that was objectively a good album. Yeah. A solid exactly, album.
1: yeah. He deserved to do better on that yeah. one.
0: And there was at least, for me, a couple of really good songs on there. That You know, Possessions of Johnny Punter, dated lyrics aside, is a great rock song and Goldfish and Clowns, which was about an almost affair that Fish apparently had where he was tempted.
1: Oh, I see.
0: um, But apparently didn't go there. I think he told the story on Fish on Friday once. Oh,
1: interesting. About what the song's
0: about, about the being tempted. Right. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so 1998 rolls around and we get another best of. Already? Yeah, already. This one was called... um, So
1: we've gone from a compilation to a an outright new album to a now a best of. Yeah. No, hang on. Wait, let's recap. We've best gone, of, best, we've off gone, to, best we've of to album a covers album.
0: No, to, a, to an album. No, album, covers album.
1: Yeah.
0: To the album suits.
1: Oh, okay. Fair enough. All right. All You're right. We forgot his suits I'll, in I'll there. I'll step back. I'll step back. <laughs> so off. yeah,
0: but it is his, it is his second best of in three years. This one was a result of it. he signed a new deal with Roadrunner records.
1: Oh, so no um, longer independent.
0: Yeah, and he had to, he had to dissolve Dick Brothers Record Company because of the debts. So Kettle of Fish didn't have a Mark Wilkinson cover probably because of money. I've got a feeling someone who worked in Fish's office designed the cover, which is just like a sort of CGI glass kettle with a fish inside it. It's not great, but um, it's fine. It was clearly cheapish. <laughs> so it's got these two new tracks on there, Mr Buttons and Chasing Miss Pretty. Both of which I quite like. Um, Clearly, Mr Buttons uh, lyrically seemed like a holdover from the Suits era. Perhaps there were some lyrics he had just lying around.
1: What do you mean lying around?
0: Sorry, being cultivated in a Petri dish. That's better. Um, (laughs) And Chasing Miss Pretty was an out-and-out pop song. But here's an interesting thing. Those songs were written as part of a writer's retreat that Fish went on at Castle Marowat. What was recorded at Castle Marrowat? Get
1: out of here, yeah. brave.
0: Yeah, Miles Copeland. No way. His castle, he held this writer's retreat where the idea was he would get people from different kind of genres of music together and they would each, they would have to write a song. He would put them in groups and they would have to write a song every day, one a day or something like that. Right. And Fish went to one of these at yeah. Castle Marowat. Oh, wow. And Mr Buttons and Chasing Miss Pretty both came from that, as did the, uh, the whole bunch of the his next bona fide album.
1: That was worth going to, that writer's retreat then, wasn't it? Maybe. Oh. <laughs>
0: you know... <laughs> That is if, if you want to hear a fish song co-written with Rick Astley.
1: Oh yes, of course I do. <laughs> oh that, oh my God, Rick Astley was at the Writers Retreat and
0: wrote a song with Fish, oh, which appeared on his next album.
1: What which song was it?
0: Oh uh, God, what is it called? I'll tell you.
1: Did they both sing on it?
0: No, no, no. no. Oh,
1: that's one I would mission want
0: to hear. statement. So like Mission Statement.
1: Right. That's one I would want to hear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't we all? <laughs> wouldn't we all? So Rain Gods with Zippos came out in 1999 on Roadrunner. By this point, Fish didn't have a lot of money. Mm. Um, and it was the start of the era of Mark Wilkinson using Photoshop. I have to mention the I covers. I this. have to mention the covers. Okay. This isn't the worst one.
1: Oh, yes. Not my favourite cover.
0: I get now with hindsight why this album cover and the next one were like they were because clearly Fish couldn't pay Mark Wilkinson a lot of money.
1: Right, yeah. But they were
0: primarily photographic covers with a little bit of sort of Photoshop mm. jiggery pokery. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a cheap album. As in, he he hired a producer called Elliot Ness. Mm-hmm. But as Fish said, production choices were more dictated by the financial stress I was under at the time. That period was a sleigh ride over Stone. Elliot Ness came in. I couldn't afford the kind of producers I wanted for those projects. Um, as Fish said of the track Plague of Ghosts, which is on this album, if it had been recorded by Callum Malcolm, who's his producer for his most recent few albums. It would have been a fucking epic, in Fisher's words, if we'd had Callum's knowledge and experience of arrangements and how to decorate songs, dot, dot, dot. Stephen Wilson was back on guitar on some tracks, but didn't write uh, any songs. It's a weird album. It's a weird album. It's all over the place. Mm -hmm. You know, when Fisher sort of talked about rediscovering his love of music by doing the covers album or whatever, or, you know, oh, I'd have to choose what direction to go in. This one is probably his most fractured album in terms of personality. But having said it's fractured, I, again, it's weird, this process of sort of going back. At the time I kind of went, what is this album? Mm. Uh, What does this album want to be? But going back, I actually really like a lot of it. Uh, Really like a lot of it And actually I don't entirely get the bad production And certainly his criticism of Plague of Ghosts I kind of thought that was considered to be a fish classic So I don't get why he's so down on it It opens with a track called Tumble Down Which is weird because Marillion had a song called Tumble Down the Years Around the same time So in addition to the songwriters that he met up with at Castle Marowat Nicky Simmons came back for a couple of songs including okay. Tumble Down, which is not my favourite track on the album. But he's also he also uh, did a song called Rites of Passage, which is rather lovely if it goes on a bit. But there's some really nice sort of piano on there. It's very Mickey Simmons in places. Then you have Mission Statement, which is the second track, which is the Rick Astley track, which sounds like glam rock or we'll something like that. Then you have Incomplete, which is a duet with Elizabeth Antwi, who uh, that's a lovely ballad. Tilted Cross is a bit of sort of folky rock, stuff about landmines, and that's really nice. Then you have Faith Healer, a cover version of an Alex Harvey band song, a bit weird. But then you have Rites of Passage, which is lovely. And then the second half of the album is made up of Plague of Ghosts, Fish doing a 25-minute long prog song. Ah. Oh. And I think I wasn't alone in kind of going, ah, finally.
1: <laughs> really? <laughs> finally. So this was like the first bit of prog that he'd done since... I think so. When was the last time before this song. I don't
0: know. I mean, you know. Several
1: albums back.
0: I don't even know if you could class anything he did in his solo career prior to this as prog. Not really. Vigil the title track on that, maybe. Mm. Not really. There's wow. not really anything. Um, but it was it was based on a um, piece of music by a guy called Tony Terrell and a guy called Mark Daghorn who had remixed Marillion's, um This Strange Engine album they have done a remix oh, of it. Oh, I see.
1: Oh, interesting. There was a
0: piece of music called All These Christs, which is actually on um, the bonus disc of the, the the remaster of this album. It's not very good, so I don't know what Fish saw in it. Oh. Um, it's not great. It's all right, but it's not as a piece of music that, you know, I wouldn't have kind of listened to it and gone, yeah, I can see the potential in that. So absolutely hats off to Fish for seeing the potential in it and kind of working on it and building it up because – I'll say it now. It might well be his best solo song. Not just because it's long, really? because it's a great piece of music. But it's prog. But it sounded modern. Well, had... out
1: of all of his yeah, I'm saying solo it. work. Yeah, really. Even the modern stuff from Welshmertz.
0: Yeah. Wow. You've heard it. You liked it. For you to like a fish song means it's good.
1: Yeah, that's, that, that is true. <laughs> that is true.
0: Yeah, uh, and it, it's it it had that thing again. The thing I talked about last week. The theatricality.
1: Right, which you'd missed so much,
0: which I've missed so much. But not only that, it didn't just—it didn't sound like throwback prog because it has kind of dance and sort of trip hop, which at the time were in mm. trip hop sort of elements in there. So it 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 wasn't embarrassing. <laughs> it, right. it was yeah. it was like this is yes, mate, this is it. You know why why you know why is this on an album with the bloody glam rock song by Rick Astley? But never mind, never mind because it. <laughs> It's there and it's brilliant. It also marked the first time uh, Fish used the lyric book on stage when he performed this, because <laughs> it's a long song.
1: This is where it began.
0: <laughs> he explained it. He said, he said, I loved the drama of it. It was like doing theatre on stage without the costumes, yes. He said, Plague of Ghosts reinforced the faith that the fans had about bloody time, uh, <laughs> said, I know I'm still capable of doing big epics. Well, took you, what, five albums? But anyway, anyway, calm down, Paul. And delivering them as well as delivering great ballads that the customers, telling, uh, have loved since Kaylee Days. So that's interesting, isn't it? Interesting,
1: yeah. Interesting choice of words. Yeah,
0: the customers. But, yeah, he's right. So I'm going to just skim through this interview that I did with him.
1: Oh, God, yeah. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs>
0: Around this time it was originally on teletext but i had a website years ago called bubblegun.com and i put the uh, cuz teletext only you can only get 60 words per page so it had to be dramatically edited but i had the full transcript that i put on my own website so uh, i asked him i asked him the interviewer paul rose asked him mm. this is not the first interview i did with him by the way it's about the third by this point i said um i said to him things got pretty bad for you didn't they didn't they fish <laughs> i said we should we should act this out, should we? You should be fish. Anyway, no, we're not gonna do that. You said it was an absolute fucking nightmare. I lost something in the region of seventy grand on the last tour. This is You know, in addition to recording Sunsets on Empire, which cost...
1: Oh my, so that's not just from the loss from the album.
0: We had five tour companies go down on us, which was another 80 grand. No way. It got to a point where I sat down at Christmas and I knew that when I woke up, I'd be staring at a 150 grand loss. The bank wouldn't give us any more money and wanted back what they handed out. By January 98, my confidence was at an all-time low. Um, So I asked him, I said, what made you close your record company down? And he said, in all honesty, I can say that dick bros had no expertise whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) We were just relying on luck and taking gambles. Oh, no. Yeah. So he said, I wanted somebody who'd deal with the back catalogue as a whole, and Roadrunner has given us that. We did a deal which has given me confidence and opportunity to focus on the creative side. Roadrunner has a real indie feel, which is great. If we can sell 600,000 copies of the new album, which is slightly optimistic, I think, then the situation will have been rectified somewhat. I've been banging my head. I've been banging my head against a lot of doors. Now it's time to start kicking those doors down. Now, just in case I can't find the quote later, mm. I believe Fish called that Roadrunner deal a fucking nightmare.
1: Oh, uh, why?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, so I asked um, I asked him about his acting, because let's for- not forget that Fish is- done a bit of acting in yes. his time. Uh, he was in, around this time, The Young Person's Guide to Being a Rockstar, oh. where he played Derek Trout.
1: Ah, oh, very good.
0: Uh, and he played a... Uh, was he a gay murderer in the bill? I, I, Not, you know, he was a murderer who was gay, but I think that was the era that it was. You know, he... he uh, you know, they, they played out the fact that he was a gay murderer. And I think he even had the line in that, it's because I'm gay, isn't it? I <laughs> also like that. It was the whole thing was that he was accusing the police of prejudice. I asked him if I thought Ren God's with Zippo's was the best album he's done. He said, easily. Oh. Yeah. He said, I wasn't being diverted by business issues. I had the freedom to focus on what mattered.
1: Oh, that's telling, isn't it? It just shows how much yeah his previous... Um business issues had had dragged him down, yeah, brought him down.
0: Exactly. He said, I think it's the album that fans have been wanting me to make for five years or more. Aww. Uh, Aww. <laughs> um, I asked him why he decided to do an epic track. Yes. He said, if you'd asked me a year ago, I'd have told you to fuck off. Fuck off. Aww. I was paranoid that people would think I was doing a misplaced childhood too, or God forbid, Grendel too. Um, but the Castle Marrowat Sessions gave me the chance to flex my mus- muscles. It was like a songwriter's gym. Blah, blah, but He really got blah. a lot
1: out of that retreat.
0: <laughs> okay, yes, yes, he may have
1: done. No, he personally seemed to get a lot out of the he retreat. He
0: says this about every album because he's a professional. You know, he knows he's got a big up. Like, you know, when Songs from the Mirror came out, he, he just talked about the positives in that.
1: Mm. Okay, fine. No, but he seems to be bringing up this retreat a lot and
0: how it it, it inspired him. Well, that's just because we're focusing on this at the moment. You know, he he might never mention it again after
1: (laughs) (laughs) after this. He's forgotten about it by now.
0: So I asked him, was the album as a whole easy to write? And he said, 18 months ago, I was suffering a major male depression thing of I've fucked up big time. My company had gone under, I was in major debt, I was really low. And to get away to Castle Marrow and be creative again, just, okay, yeah, you're right. He's just going on and on about it.
1: He loved it. It meant a lot to him.
0: And Then I asked him, I said, a lot of the lyrics on the album are intensely personal, particularly rites of passage. I'll read out why in a minute. I said, how does your wife feel about that? And he went, ha, ha, ha. Do you mean my wife who's standing right next to me now? (laughs) Then he went uh, on. We wrote that song around the line. Living with you is like being parked on a double yellow line waiting to be towed away. Oh, wow. Mickey Simmons and I put it together, but my wife wasn't allowed to see the lyrics until it was finished. I took her into the studio to play it back, and the crew were keeping well away. <laughs>
1: Phone
0: um, he said it's like releasing the stress vowels. When my wife listened to it, finished, we were both a bit teary, teary eyed, but it was just a snapshot of where of how we were at a moment in time, and we came through it. I mean, every album. So far, anyway, you can't possibly know everything there is to know about somebody's relationship from just one song. You're absolutely right. But it's not one song, it's like kind of <laughs> like every other song. It's every other song, fish. It's not one, it's lots of songs. Right, so here we go. Listening to the missing tracks on the re- recent Marillion Clutching at Straws remaster, it was surprising how long you hang on to lyrics for.
1: Oh, there we are.
0: What do you mean by hang on? <laughs> Oh, this was... Uh,
1: the famous line.
0: If we're charting my, uh, you know...
1: How you felt about fish. Fish.
0: Yeah, this your was, love. This was a bit like a dagger in the heart because he <laughs> really got pissed off by that question. Or, or um, he was
1: genuinely angry.
0: He sounded really pissed Or was pissed he off. just
1: snapping at you? He was sound- snapping at and me. And sounded angry even though on the inside he wasn't angry.
0: Anyway, he said, they all lie in a little black book like crystals in a dish
1: crystals
0: and when the time is right i'll use them i can remember writing the lyrics the fortunes of war in america back in 87 the interesting thing about those clutching tracks is you can see how we wrote it disproves the established history that the guys wrote the music and i just came in and sang over the top
1: oh interesting but then what how does it disprove it because, because not writing in, the music
0: it, i think uh oh i don't know whatever I think he's perhaps he's I think he's sort of showing his contribution to the vocal melodies on there because 'cause they were work in progress songs.
1: So it wasn't just lyrics. Ah, mm. uh, I see. Yeah. But uh
0: this is something else that uh is worth documenting on this the Marillion podcast. He's uh apparently he recently got together with Marillion, with his former bandmates, and I asked him how that came about. He said it had come to the point where we knew we'd have to face each other. With the remasters, there were sleeve notes flying back and forth. As it got towards clutching, we knew we'd have to deal with it and get together. I spoke to Mark Kelly on the phone and we set it up. When we finally met, we got on as if we'd only been apart five weeks. We were just five friends, five family guys sitting around a table. We had so much history. We did so much back then that the others can only, that others can only aspire to. Taking a small blah, blah, fish, whatever. Blowing your own trumpet. Uh, <laughs> We talked and we could appreciate what each other's positions were back when we broke up and all felt that we'd been manipulated by outside forces. We had a brilliant time that night. There's no question of any sort of reunion. There may be a situation in a year or so where Mark comes up and does some keyboards for me or I'll go down there and do some vocals with Steve Hogarth. But, you know, he's been the singer with Marillion for longer than I was and the lad does a good job. He's Marillion's singer now. End of story. Well, that None of that ever came to pass, did it? Could you imagine how awkward that would have been? Fish coming and doing some vocals with that Steve would have Hogarth. would extremely
1: awkward. Extremely <sighs> awkward. So Mark Kelly never played keyboards for Fish either.
0: No. So this is bear in mind this interview was what, 1999 mm. or thereabouts? Yep. Um, and I asked him where he'd like to find himself in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And he said, my goals have changed so much. At 21, I wanted fame, but what does fame give you? You get the best table at a restaurant, but there are more waiters hanging around looking for bigger tips. What I want now is to go and watch the football on a Saturday afternoon and have a pint afterwards without being recognised. Then go home and do a spot of DIY. Spend a couple of days a week writing oh, a screenplay. He
1: chooses to go home and do DIY.
0: Yeah, I know. What a freak. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's what it that song was about, freaks. Compute. It's about doing DIY.
1: He's not like, oh, I have to do this. and Did I'm you ever like- go
0: home and put up a cupboard in the night? <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, he says, spend a couple of days a week writing a screenplay, then a couple of days writing songs with mates, then go on tour from time to time knowing that I'm not running any risks. All I want to do is provide for my family. They've been through a world of shit over the last five years, but now I want to make things happen for them. He was a family man, wasn't he? Yeah.
1: He, he, needed,
0: he needed a garage like his dad and a quiet life. Sorry, that's the impression I get. Mm. The music industry wasn't... Making him, It's too
1: chaotic it's for not, him. I
0: maybe. don't know.
1: Maybe he
0: already sounds exhausted. He then. does.
1: Well, I mean, he sounded exhausted albums ago.
0: All right. Well, let's let's keep going. Two thousand and one Fellini days, uh, which I cannot need
1: to look up cannot pass. Cover.
0: Yeah, cannot pass a comment uh, on this album without mentioning the terrible, terrible cover by Mark Wilkinson, which I know he didn't have a lot of money, and I know that he only just started using Photoshop apparently, but. Please. Oh, ouch. Oh.
1: Mark Wilkinson. Do you know what? I'd take the original Marillion era. Mark Wilkinson covers over this.
0: It's really bad, isn't it?
1: It's not great.
0: It's really bad. It's
1: like a year nine students. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that.
0: Well, you've said it now.
1: I'm sorry, Mark Wilkinson. Please forgive me if you ever can.
0: 2001. Fish was 900 grand almost in debt. How much? 900 grand.
1: Oh, wow.
0: You thought we owed a lot of money.
1: <laughs> yeah, but okay, but he's also got means of making more money than us. Has he? Yeah. Okay. He can release albums and stuff.
0: Anyway, he was off Roadrunner and set up another record label, this time called Chocolate Frog.
1: Oh, Chocolate Frog.
0: And on top of that is he split up with Tammy.
1: Oh, finally. finally. I wonder if that last album with that song had anything to do with it.
0: Well, uh, he says, if you want a song, he, uh, he said, if you want a song to illustrate how he felt, listen to Long Cold Day on Fellini Days. Shall I just read you yes. some lyrics from that? Yes. It's so funny you don't call at night, always missing in action. I'm left out in the cold and you would never have thought I was thinking, turning it over, putting the pieces in place and building a case for my anger. I'm taking it in. I'm taking my time in taking you out. Because it'll be a long, cold day in hell before I take you back. Whoa. So tired of your lying, I can't sleep at night. I'll accept what I'm told, take what I'm sold. There's no question to ask, to sort out the answers, to prove prove who is wrong or who is right. But I know in my heart that we're breaking apart if we admit to the truth. Pretend it's all been an act. As a matter of fact, it'll be a long, cold day in hell before I take you back.
1: Ah, okay. So quite angry.
0: He was angry. And then there's another song on that album called "Our Smile," which Fish admits is about an affair that he had shortly before they split up. Ah, uh, because I think it was over effectively. Yeah. Uh, so he said when uh, when they talked about splitting, apparently she said to him, "I want half of everything." Oh and he my was,
1: goodness, no, not this again! And he
0: said, "I'm like, cool, write me a check for 450 grand. You can have half that debt." <laughs> um he said the finances were eventually sorted this is when he basically sold most of his house right um he kept the studio but he moved into it yes which is what he's got now yeah it was a big house i think right um
1: i wonder what that's like living next to the house that you used to live in
0: yeah yeah i don't know i'm gonna say it now yeah i think this is his worst album he, okay,
1: well, that means it gets... It, there's The only way is up from here.
0: I mean, as he said, he said, Fellini Days came out at a strange period in my life. I'd moved across to a Dutch record company, which was a travesty of a decision. I ended up in the position of being an artist which had a great fan base, but wasn't going to get promotion that I needed. That meant, once again, I was coming out on a label. The approach to Fellini Days was be published and be damned. I was like... I'm just going to do what I want to do. So... It's a really cheap sounding album. That the production, production wise, the remaster improves it a bit, but a bit. There's some bits on it I quite like. There's an open track called "3D." It's broadly written with John Wesley and, uh, God, what's the name of the other guy? Young, John Young, who was the keyboard player and the guitarist, John Wesley, who had supported Merillion at points and been, I think, he'd been. Steve Rothery's Guitar Tech. There's all this weird crossover with all these people. It's really strange.
1: It's almost like they're part of the same industry or something.
0: Yes. Uh, But uh, there's bits I like, but it it sounds cheap, but he sounds off-key in places.
1: Right. So you think Uh, this might be when the vocal issues were at their
0: height? I don't know. I mean, uh, it just sounds like almost like singing at half speed or the tape is stuck. I mean, obviously it wasn't. It was, you know, more than likely recorded digitally, but that's what it sounds like. It's, it's, uh, and then it's got, because Fellini days was one of those phrases that Fish, you know, loved and just kept dropping into interviews all the time. Oh, I was having a Fellini day. What does it mean? Weird, surreal, I think, moments that you experience where weird things like, oh, I bumped into a clown and then some fireworks went off. Oh, right, <laughs> <And> right. <laughs> okay. It to be like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. you're in a Federico Fellini right. film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's I've like I've never
1: seen a Federico Fellini film. No, nor Fellini have I. Film, so... But it had don't have any context for it.
0: Running between the songs, it adds sort of sound bites from Fellini and ah, this sound of a projector. That
1: sounds quite clever.
0: It's all right. It's not really a concept album though, because I mean, I don't know. It's just so uh, the tracklist in 3D so Fellini, which I don't really like. Which is another, let's just repeat the title of the song over and over again. <laughs>
1: Easy to remember. Yeah.
0: Ticky 4, I quite like, but people don't like, I noticed. Our Smile, which was that one. Uh, Long Cold Day, Dancing in Fog, Obligatory Ballad, The Pilgrim's Address, which is all right, which is quite good. And Clock moves Sideways, I really don't like.
1: Oh, it's all kicking off. Hayley, on. let me just quickly check that. Check oh, she yeah, hasn't given birth. Case, she's no, she hasn't. She's, la- la-
0: she's laughing at the video I posted up of uh, a horse farting on some dogs.
1: Oh, where did you post that?
0: In our WhatsApp group. Oh, did you not seen... see that? No. The video is called uh, Horse Kicks Tree, Then Farts on Dogs and Runs Away. <laughs> That's literally what happens.
1: <gasps> I need to see
0: this. Uh, anyway, she was just doing some s- laughing Laughly emojis. emojis. Uh, there's also some lyrics that I'm... Uh, there's, it's got my favourite fish lyric on there. Which is? Which is, the darkness zips up the city like a body bag.
1: Oh, i love that very imagery. evocative
0: it also has the lyric i slide inside your body you steal into my heart i what slide inside your body oh, No, oh, okay, Sanya's just just wow. thrown up and oh, no <laughs> you should have seen everyone at home you should have seen sandra's reaction it was like physical kind
1: of jolt i don't want to hear that as a lyric.
0: And then he also has the lyric: "The character actor plays romantic leads, and the kitten curls in wet anticipation."
1: Again, why? Ugh.
0: At least it's not the man speaking. Yeah, in the true. The actually,
1: that's true. Uh,
0: so that was that album. I didn't like it at all, and I think by this point, I kind of gone. I'm not really interested anymore. <laughs> I know that's not much of a big kind of climax to this episode, but <laughs> but that um, yeah. By then I kind of gone. Yeah, the, the, his albums are rubbish.
1: Okay. And yet you kept you stuck with him after that. Kept you kept them. buying them. It's you've never not bought a Fish album. You've never not listened to it several times.
0: Yes, because there's still that sort of historical
1: a sense of obligation. obligation. Or is there a hope? hope? Is there a hope that each one is going to be? Well,
0: it was hope that was ultimately rewarded. But by yeah. this point, this was the freaking low point for me. Right,
1: the nadir.
0: Yeah. Um...
1: The nadir of his career.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll say. Um, and, and the next album did nothing to convince me otherwise. Uh, did you was...
1: go and see him live?
0: Well, yeah. His, well, this the was the other thing I was going to say. Because something cause else happened. Because when, when Fish left Marillion it was clear that the bulk of people were following both parties for a while. And then at some point along the way, that audience fragmented a bit. There was still crossover people like me yeah, who would still go and see both. Yeah. But and this is going to sound, and I apologise to anyone listening who is offended by what I'm about to say, but I, cl- I put myself certainly in the Meridian bracket mm. in terms of,
1: by which Where time? Where I felt
0: I belonged.
1: By which time?
0: I don't, I'm not sure. I was trying to think this the other day. Mm. And I was think when did this happen? But when the audience fragmented and the audiences at fish gigs started to feel really different to Meridian audiences. Mm. I felt at home in a Meridian audience. Yes. Whereas a fish audience felt like a rock audience. Right. And that's not to say it felt dangerous. As such, you know, I never felt threatened at a fish gig. But there was a certain raucousness and being surrounded by kind of... And there's nothing wrong with being an alternative type, but alternative sort of lifestyle types. So it was a lot of sort of leather and perhaps mohawks and tattoos and...
1: Did you feel threatened?
0: No, I literally... I just said I didn't feel threatened. I, I literally said the words I didn't feel threatened. I didn't, what? What?
1: Yeah, about but a minute. You <laughs> saying, you, okay.
0: No, no, I didn't feel threatened, but I didn't feel at home. I didn't feel. Oh God, I really hope no one was offended by this. I didn't feel like they were my people. It wasn't my tribe.
1: And it was because the energy was a bit more,
0: just a bit um, more aggressive,
1: but not. But at the same time, not aggressive.
0: Well, no, it was more a more aggressive energy, but not literally, as in there were fights breaking out. I mean, you know, mm. we were all getting old, <laughs> starting to get old. But yeah, there weren't like fights, I and mean, it was just a it was just a more sort of raucous crowd, partly because of maybe the way Fish would banter with the audience, mm. whereas when I'd been a kid, kind of the bulk of my friends we were all nice boys, you know, who like grew up Aww. liking Merillion, Yeah. That was my tribe, was nice boys.
1: <laughs> You're a nice boy.
0: Uh, and gradually over time, the Meridian crowd became nice boys and, and they're nice wives. <laughs> so it was just nice people. Right. And that, especially going into kind of this, this next album, um, Field of Crows in 2004, that was the same year Marbles came out.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, so there was... <sighs> Yeah. A high point for Marillion. This was the
0: high point for Marillion at the same time as I was at my low point with Fish solo. Ah.
1: And you're going to see if Marbles is Marillion's best or one of their best albums, that's going to create a greater contrast than if the album that Fish puts out maybe isn't his finest work.
0: And that's where we're going to leave it for this week. If my voice sounds different, by the way, from the preceding hour or so, that's because I'm actually recording this after the end of next week's episode because I talk so much, we've ended up having to make this a three-parter.
1: We have, yes. Yeah, and
0: my voice is now as real as
1: a... I need water, I need soothing. Oh, whoops, I just kicked the mic. Oh,
0: great, now we've got to start that all over again. My voice is
1: is so, so sore. You need a soother. I need a soother in my throat. Chamomile and honey.
0: Right, everyone, support us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash MrBiffo. Uh, Subscribe, like, all that stuff. Tell people about us. Uh, We'll be back next week with the final part of this this series that we're calling Let's Trash Fish. (laughs) That's a joke. It's a joke. I don't know where I've cut this episode, so I I can't even tell you what happens next week yet. I don't know where I've cut it in the edit. Oh, but next it's a week next week, us. next week next week Sanior will continue on from where we've just left off. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.